welcome into the Leadership Legacy Podcast, where we interview influential leaders who learn the why and how they turn their passions into progress that set them on the path to leaving their legacy. episode of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. I have the honor of sitting in with Dr. Carol Archer, who is an international trainer and coach and president of Carol Archer and Associates. Well, Carol, um, tell us a little, little bit about your story. Where did you grow up and where did your love of international studies and communication and this culture come from? Well, I grew up in West Texas. Uh, my parents were tenant farmers and so we kind of moved around in West Texas and um, and in when I say West Texas, I mean like New Mexico in that area, you know, close to New Mexico and West Texas. And so there's a lot of uh, Hispanic, Spanish speakers in that area. Um, so I grew up around Spanish, and my father had been on the border of Mexico back probably around the early 1915, 1916, and had learned to speak Spanish there. And so it was something that that I, I had heard him speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. This was during the time of the Bracero program, when, uh, when there, was a, uh, there would be men from Mexico who would come here to work with the crops. My father went every year to the same village in Mexico and brought back men from the same village. And I, so I grew up with that. And I don't know, I was just fascinated from an early age that you could make, you could go like sounds that I didn't really understand. You could, but you could go levels, and something would happen, you know. And it was just—I don't know. It was—I can't remember it not being there. That mm-hmm. fascination. And um, so then I graduated, uh, ended up at the University of Houston, uh, where I was studying. Um, I also loved writing, and I loved—I loved language, so I studied. Um, creative writing. I had a, 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 a scholarship in creative writing and language and um, comparative education with Latin America because uh, when, I, when I graduated I gave myself a trip to Argentina and I got there and realized I couldn't understand anything anybody said and I spent the entire time there you know like three sentences behind everybody else. It was an astonishing experience. I had never really encountered the kinds of things that I encountered there. I know now I was having probably a culture bump every 30 seconds. Um, I came back to the United States and discovered that I had acquired actually quite a bit of Spanish. Went to work as a Spanish-speaking social worker in Houston. I was the only um, uh, non-native Spanish speaker in the group and um, and increased, learned a lot more Spanish. And then I went, I decided to go back to school to do a master's degree, and I did a master's degree in comparative education with Latin America, with that. And with the intent, I wanted to go in and do work in the State Department. And instead, I ended, I had taken a course in during that in English as a Second Language, and I ended up in a brand new department at the University of Houston called the Language and Culture Center. And, um, 
and basically spent the rest of my professional career there in teaching English as a second language. By the second year, my boss, Dr. Joyce Valdez, who had the vision at that time of really making that a language and culture center, and she didn't know what that meant, but she had heard of this place in California, oh, at Stanford University, where uh, they taught about culture. What she didn't know was that they, it was actually corporate training, teaching people to do corporate training, and that's where I, and so she sent me there, and that's what I learned. I learned how to be a corporate trainer. Came back, and she would, uh, uh, thought it was a really good idea, so I would go out and do corporate training, and whatever I learned with all of these really wonderful second-generation corporate trainers at that time, we're talking about the, the 70s, I would bring it back and then translate that into a course for international students who were coming here. And so we ended up with a real course in cross-cultural communication designed for internationals coming to live here. Right before I began in there, I, she, I, went, I had the opportunity again with the university to go live in North Africa, in Algeria. And um, I had lots and lots and lots of culture bumps, lots more than I had in Argentina. And when I came back to the University of Houston, that's when I had the... One, one day in October 1978, I had this little epiphany that what had happened to me in Algeria was that I had had culture bumps and that I didn't know what to do with them. I also understood that they were the opportunity for me to learn about who I really am and who other people really are and that without those differences, we, really we can really never know ourselves or other people. And that's how that all began. And so that got kind of interwoven into this corporate training uh, module that we were developing mm -hmm. so that we had those two things. And um, so basically I stayed there and worked with that until uh, I retired in 2005. Uh, not too long after that, uh, I developed a toolkit for culture and communication for the University of Houston intellectual property it was marketed there for a while, and um, then later on I acquired the rights back to that toolkit and met Dr. Nixon and had the opportunity to come to Auburn and have been, I, I have continued with uh, trainings outside of the educational fields all through these years and have been working with Dr. Nixon for the last eight years here. What drives you? <laughs> um, I, I have experienced in my lifetime being connected with people from around the globe. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's real. I know it's real. I know that we, I know we truly are connected as human beings. Mm -hmm. And what drives me is doing whatever I can in the. T I believe. I believe for me. I believe that's one of the reasons my Creator put me here and that my job is to develop this and to hand it off to as many people as possible in, my, in the life that, I've, that I'm given. Um, that drives me. What, um, what does the word failure mean to you? Is it, a, is it a bad word? A lot of people, a lot of people attach failure to, when they fail, they give up, they're mm -hmm. done, they're out, they check out. Uh, some people see it as a stepping stone. What do you see failure as? <laughs> um, I've had a lot of failure in my life. A culture bump was born out of failure. 
I was, I was uh, airlifted out of Algeria early because I was so maladapted. That's how, I, that's how badly I had failed in living in Algeria. Um, and it was out of that, because I went, I went back to teaching English as a second language at the University of Houston. I had students from North Africa. And what had happened was I literally could not, I could not stay in the classroom. I felt like that um, we were so different. What, I had, what had happened to me in Algeria, I was, I was such a failure there. And I failed because we are so different. I couldn't adapt. I could not do it. There were things that happened that I could not get past. I just couldn't do it. And I tried with everything that I had. And I was writing my letter of resignation to my boss on that day in October that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I was writing a letter of resignation. I was going to leave the field of education and do something where I could really make some money. And the term culture bump came in my mind. And in that little nanosecond, I knew that there was nothing wrong with me. And I knew there was nothing wrong with Algerians. And I knew that culture bumps, and they were like, in my mind, they were like these big bubbles that kind of bumped off. And the term came to me. I, I think it's kind of a silly term. I've always thought it's kind of silly. But hey, there it is. It's the one that came. It's very catchy. It's, and, it's, and there's no way. And there's, there's, no, there's no other way to say it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was out of failure that it was born. Um, I've had uh, a lot of things that I thought were going to happen that didn't happen. And, but then I've lived long enough now to look back and see that what happened was exactly what needed to happen to move this idea of culture bump where that idea needed to be. It didn't move me where I thought I was going to be but it moved this idea. And I think the place where, I, where Culture Bump is now is, I couldn't have, I couldn't have invented all of this. So, so for me, failure is uh, probably the place where things are born. Hmm. Well, what's the best book you've read recently? Ah. <laughs> One amazing thing. Uh, and it's actually uh, written by a woman who teaches at the University of Houston, a, a woman from, from India. And it's, it's a wonderful book about people in, who are you know, waiting to get their visas to go to India. And, and okay. Well, I'm not going to give the book away, but it's, Culture Bump has a lot to do with it. So it's, it, it, speaks, it speaks to me. And, and it's beautifully written. It has, I mean, she's just a, a wonderful, wonderful writer. Great book. Well, I'm not going to hold you to this next question. But if you were to write a book about your journey so far in life, what would that title be? <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know, what just popped into my mind was faraway places and strange sounding names under the West Texas wind. <laughs> well, I've got one last question. Um, and this, this kind of culminates everything that we've kind of talked about from culture bump and from what from from growing up in, in West Texas and uh, all the things that you've been able to do throughout your life and as you look to the end of your life when you're getting ready to leave this world when you look back on your family and your friends and the communities that you've impacted what do you want them to remember you by and what does that legacy look like hmm. probably for me it would probably be um, 
what I would like people to remember about me is coming to my house and eating and visiting with extraordinary people and listening to music, maybe playing the piano. Hey, this is your host, Tony Oravet of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this past episode. It would mean the world to me if you would go and rate this podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. Show notes and information on today's guest are on leadershiplegacy.show. 